0: So as I mentioned earlier, we begin a summer-long sermon series, as Becky also just told us in our time with the Younger Church. We are going to be studying the fruit of the Spirit of God. Now for some of you, you might be fully aware of what these nine fruit are. You might have studied them. You might be a part of our summer-long backyard Bible study where we marry together the Enneagram with these fruit, Um, but for some it might be brand new to you. And so... I want to dispel something that I think we we often misinterpret. When we speak of the fruit of the Spirit of God, when we speak of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, we are not speaking of things that we do not possess, that would somehow, by the very Spirit of God, stumble into our lives or fall upon us at any given moment. These are indeed things that because the Spirit of God dwells within us, they also dwell within us. These are not things that are without, they are within. And so the focus of our time together in worship is not so much having self-control fall out of the sky and into our lives. It is to recognize and see it as it already dwells within us. It is not so much to learn how to love, it is to recognize love that is within us, joy that is within us, patience that is within us. So we will cultivate those fruit as we move through this summer. Over the last couple months, as I've been doing these small group meetups, many people have asked me about my vision for the church, and that's a collective thing. I won't get into what that looks like, although we're doing some things as a session and communally together. But one of the things that I do understand as a vision, not just that I bring to the table, but that God brings to the table through Scripture, is that if we are indeed being the church of Jesus Christ in faithful ways in Midtown and across Memphis, wherever God has planted us, then then the communities in which God has planted us will be more loving, more joyful, more peaceful, more patient, more kind, more generous and faithful and gentle and more controlled. Indeed, our vision is the vision of God for the church, that we would bear fruit in the community, that Midtown and that Memphis would look different because of our presence here. And so that is what we will reflect on as we move into this summer series. And we'll begin this morning with the fruit of love. Now, when we speak of love, we are speaking of a, a very big idea. When we say that love is love is love is love with our LGBTQIA siblings, we affirm true and real love, particularly this month. And at the same time, we affirm the complexity of love. See, one of the pitfalls that we can we can stumble into when speaking of love is that we tend to cheapen love when we think of it in narrow ways. Perhaps we imagine that we are only speaking of romantic love or only of God's love, or of love through service. But the reality is that love is complex. The Reverend M. Barclay speaks of it in this way. Love isn't just one thing. It's fierce and soft, intimate and collective. Love is wild and sincere and deliberate and just. Love can be more chaos than order. Love can be a boundary. Love can be conflict, but... It can be contemplated and complicated. It can be multifaceted. It is so, so simple. And yet love is hard work. Love is also natural. Love is a process and a practice. Through its paths are many and varied. Love always leads to life. Love is an ever-unfolding thing that we all are still figuring out. So when we speak of the very fruit of the Spirit of God, of love. We are speaking of a vast and varied thing. So let us have that in the back of our minds as we turn to 1 John, the fourth chapter, the seventh verse through the 21st verse. Let's listen together for God's word to each of us and to the church. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected through us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the father has sent his son as the savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers and sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or a sister whom they have seen cannot love a God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm not sure there's a more important statement in Scripture than what is repeated twice in the text that we just read. God is love. God is love, the author tells us and tells that community. The implications of this statement are many, and they are varied, just as the dynamics of love are. But one that strikes me is the way in which we must now understand the very character of God in light of this text. If it can't be said of love, then it can't be said of God. If it cannot be said of God, it cannot be said of love. If you are in the world and you begin to hear someone describe God for you in a way that seems contrary to love, they are not describing God, because God is love. It's important for us to know, as the theologian Richard Rohr reminds us, that God does not then decide to love God's love can never be determined by the worthiness or unworthiness of the object, but God is love itself. God cannot love, cannot not love, because love is the very nature of God's being. God is love, repeated twice in this text. So we don't then will love into existence. We don't have to work really hard, and even pray for it, we must simply accept that love is the pervasive reality of existence. Love is as real as God is real. And this text tells us that that God dwells within us as love. Love. You don't have to look outside yourself for that deep and abiding love. It is already inside of you, in your spirit, in your heart, in your soul. Each of us, then, has a measure of the divine. Every time we love, we glimpse that measure. In the divine dance, Rohr continues, love is not something that we do, then, as the people of God. Love is something that we are. Love is literally our truest self. Love is where you came from, and love is where you're going. It's not something you can buy, it's not something you can attain. It is the presence of God within you, called the Holy Spirit. Love then is a reality, but it's also an action to embody. When the writer of Galatians speaks of love as the very first fruit of the Spirit of God, we are hearing something foundational then. There is nothing more true about who you are as a creation of God than that you are born and made of love. Now that can be difficult to see in a world that might tell us that we are unlovable, it might be difficult for us to understand and know if the voices around us tell us that we are not worthy then of love. Those voices are lying because indeed the very love of God is within us. And I spent time this week, love is such a broad thing, I spent time this week in my sermon file um, trying to figure out a good illustration. My illustration file is, uh, is somewhat small and very messy. And uh, I realized that for me, perhaps the most important and impactful personification of love was one that that I got to see as a young child. I was uh, 11 years old when my family and I made our way to Washington, D.C. It was the winter of 1992. Bill Clinton had just been elected president. He would take office in four weeks. It was the first time that that we had been to that city together. It was also the first time that a quilt, which had been birthed a few years before, would be gathered together for the first time on the lawn between the Lincoln Memorial and the Capitol Building, right by the Washington Monument. The AIDS quilt was born of deep and abiding pain that grew from the HIV and AIDS epidemic of the 80s and 90s, an epidemic that in many ways many still have to deal with now. We went to go see that quilt together as a family. We walked along the grass and saw the handiwork of countless people across the world who had sewn a quilt patch for family members. It was about midday, that we arrived at a rather important quilt for us. It was one that my mother had created just a few years earlier. She had sewn it together in memory of my uncle, Mark. Mark had returned from his military service and he had moved to San Francisco in the early 1980s. Mark had lived there all the way across the country from the rest of his deeply Catholic family. He had lived there, and, and it, it had been a way of moving through the world for him to, to not have too many friends, but my mother was one of them. And so they would talk, even though they were a great distance away from each other, they would talk often, even more so than my, my dad, his brother, would speak with Mark. Mark. I should say that my uncle, Mark, was gay and he had moved to San Francisco and away from his family because that was a safe place for him to be. He could find community there and even love. So it wasn't too long after he had moved to that place when he began to feel ill. He didn't know what was going on, few did at the beginning of the epidemic. Soon he would be diagnosed with HIV. That would be a troublesome thing for him, of course, scary as it was for so many people, and continues to be. It would be even more troublesome, though, because to be diagnosed in that time was indeed to become a, an outcast from family and friends and loved ones. And so he had few to rely on. So phone calls from my mom would, would help him to know he was beloved. Mark died from complications related to his diagnosis, his church wouldn't hold a funeral or help to bury him, and so Mark, in many ways, his life was uh, was not remembered. It struck me this week, though, that if we are born of love, and love is not something that we just possess within us, but something that we act out in the world, then it struck me that those weekly phone calls with my mom were her bearing love into the world, reminding him that he was deeply loved. So we made our way to the lawn of the Washington Monument, and we made our way to that patch of quilt that she had sewn together, embodiment of fabric and cloth and love, woven. What struck me in that moment was her intentionality. Not only had she sewn each of those strings of fabric together, but she had let him know that he would be remembered. And so we we laid down for a second. 11-year-old David and 14-year-old Mindy, and we spoke to an uncle that we barely knew. And then we prayed there at that quilt, not just for Mark, but for the countless others who had been neglected and forgotten, and yet who were deeply the embodiment of the love of God. It strikes me, beloved, that if we are to bear the fruit of love in the world, then we must do so over a great expanse of time. We must do so in the ways in which God has called each of us and in Encouraged each of us to do so. For some, you may sow. For others, you may march. For still others, you might celebrate on our front lawn here at Idlewild. For others, you may you may commit to walking with someone through their struggles of health. You might be a care partner here or an advocate. The truth of this fruit of love that is born within each of us, the truth is that we are called to share it, to embody it. The promise is that as we do that, God is building something in the world, that God is creating a foundation and a framework on which the whole world can turn. Beloved, if we are to indeed bear the fruit of the Spirit of God, let us then begin with the fruit of love. Let us understand that we are not not without it, but it is within us. For God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Will you pray with me, please? How would you have us to embody your love? We ask because we need to know. How would you call us and enable us to embody your love in our relationships? We ask because we need to know. How would you have us embody your love in this church? We ask because we need to know. How might we embody your love in Midtown and across Memphis? We ask because we need to know. You dwell within us in love, so give us eyes to recognize and see that for ourselves, but also for our siblings, for our neighbors. Give us vision and courage to be about love in the world, O oh God. Let us bear that fruit here and now and forever in the name the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.